Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and I want to invite you to like, share, and subscribe to my show on Facebook and BBS Radio if you're interested in learning more about important news of the day, self-help topics, and music that's good for the soul. We'd like to remind you that this is an open forum, and we do leave time in the show for questions and comments. If you'd like to give us a call, please feel free to dial into the show today free of charge at 1-888-627-6008. That number again, 1-888-627-6008. Or you may also reach us at 323-744-4831. That number again, 323-744-4831. Please feel free to give us a call during the live show if you'd like to weigh in on today's topic. And now on to the show. I want to touch on a subject today that is near and dear to our hearts. And that's how we can all lead a better and more fulfilling life. So much has happened over the last year with a global pandemic, social and racial justice issues that have really risen to the forefront, especially in the American way of life. Today, we want to talk about how we coexist, reset, and get back on track to the lives we are meant to be living. Today, I have someone joining us who is a personal growth mentor, and self-improvement coach who has more than 20 years of experience in partnering with senior level professionals with a focus on eco, social, or global good to overcome obstacles and inner struggles so they can effectively recharge, de-stress, and free up their time to learn more, weigh out what's important, strategically plan, and get on the road to success. I welcome Leo Richard to our show today to hopefully give us a roadmap to success. Leo, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be on your stage today, Celeste. And <laughs> so how, how are you feeling today? How's it going? How's this Saturday morning? Oh, it's great. It's great. I like to try to keep a positive attitude about everything. I have a lot coming at me, but uh, <laughs> with all of that, um, you know, I just try to try to stay positive and realize um, when I was in, in graduate school working on my Ph.D., one of my friends had this saying. She would always go, how do you eat an elephant, Celeste? <laughs> <laughs> one bite at a time. Right. So, you know, that's how I kind of take life. You know, I, I can only do what I can do and I take it one bite at a time. Nice. So. Um, I know that you refer to yourself as a spiritual director and energy-based teacher. What exactly is that? All right. So I know there's a lot of messages about what energy is, what spirituality is, and all that kind of stuff. You've got religion, you've got you know the new age kind of philosophies and all that kind of stuff. There's all sorts of different aspects. Um, I don't, even though that is my field, I don't actually consider myself spiritual because that then puts a label on me about what I should be or shouldn't be kind of thing. So I guess my kind of basis is just being human. I help people be more human. So this is kind of the big reason why I'm like into eco, social, global good kind of stuff, just because that's like the foundations of humanity. If all that stuff is gone, like if we're just kind of really menacing on the ecological footprint or social footprint or whatever, um, we're not touching into our like humanity or empathy or compassion, uh, care for another person. Like, I mean, kind of the thing that's uh, one of my coaches a long time ago told me is like, you go into like a kindergarten classroom 
and you know you have a whole bunch of different cultures in that classroom and whoever they all are and you can't just say one kid is of god and another isn't right and that kind of aspect and it's like why is one kid allowed to have their light shine and another not right so you just don't do that so how do you connect back to that humanity as a like as an adult because we tend to lose that capacity because i have like a two and a half year old daughter right now she doesn't care about like um color of a person's skin or their wealth status or whatever it is she doesn't she's like that person's awesome I want to go hang out with them right and that kind of aspect and it's really um connecting to that like energetic kind of aspect or that connection or that like humanness if you will sort of the, the kind of basis of where I come from so that impacts my personal life and like activism spaces and that impacts my career life as well Mm-hmm. So kind of getting uh, to the core of, of who we are, our beings, our spirit, um, if you will, and, yeah. and focusing on that as to uh, or opposed to the outer shell, if you will. Um, yeah. it, it, it sounds like uh, getting into, you know, really content of, of one's character, who they are and, really, and that type of thing. Um, they present themselves as, but who they really are. Yeah, who they who they real, really are. That's that's good. Um, I wanted to ask, how did you get involved in this line of work in this field of work? Where, you know, tell us about uh, where you started on this journey. So when I was seventeen, so over twenty years ago, like twenty five years ago, um, I was getting in a lot of trouble as a teenager, that kind of stuff, and I actually had a friend of mine, close friend of mine, die from an overdose, which kind of like smack me in the face kind of thing if you will like woke me up and like what the heck am I doing with my life um and I had a really weird experience it was awake it was like open casket and they went in to kind of look at um the body if you will and I, I don't know if it was my imagination or if it was real it doesn't really matter um but as I looked at my friend's face the eyes popped open and then they closed and it just like shook like my whole core just kind of like shook and I like ran out of the um it was like a friendship center like a funeral place for indigenous folks and stuff like that and um ran out and just kind of like whoa <laughs> you know that kind well, of what was that right <laughs> yeah, yeah. and ever since then um started meditation like I'm still in like high school and doing stuff like that um and like just kind of went on this journey since then and kind of grown and evolved over the years in um you know high intensity environments and like all the pressure from that and then being more low-key and just kind of backdropping like I was starting to dabble in like major global movements and um and both of the movements I was like at the center circle of and they like collapsed and I realized that like all the pressure all the lobbying all the whatever like really triggers people's internal stuff they, they can't handle the pressure like and then I started to discover that in the business space people who are really pioneering stuff they just can't hack the pressure because it really triggers all their personal stuff their childhood trauma their relationship issues at home whatever and then they start you know lateral violence and all sorts of things and so what I've really discovered is really to, to create global change to make a really positive impact you really got to start with yourself you got to deal with your stuff and so that's kind of been reinforced over the past what, 20 25 years over and over and over again just kind of so that's kind of 
the difference I'm making in the world, or at least I try. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we're going to learn about the types of people Leo has helped over the past 20 years. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And welcome back. You're listening to the Celeste Stein Show. And today we're excited to have with us Leo Richard, who is giving us information on how we can all lead more productive lives and who doesn't need that right now. Leo, I'd like to talk about the type of people you've helped to lead better lives over the 20 years that you've been doing this. And certainly without using any names, of course, please tell me about uh, these folks that you've actually worked with. Okay, so one of the things I've found is pretty consistent. So people who are successful in whatever space, whether it's like career or finances or whatever, uh, 85% of them tend to have like mediocre or horrible relationships at their, in their home life. Hmm. And it's kind of like a shocking stat. And uh, I forget where the research came from, but it was it's a really high stat. And so when you have success in one area and your home life kind of tanks or it's not so fun, if you will, there's only so much you can do. Right. Because you're going to there's going to be something taken up bandwidth in your mind or real estate in your head in terms of like the impact you can make, because there's like, OK, my home life sucks and I'm trying to do good for the world. And how can I really do good when I'm compromising? Like my integrity is not I'm not congruent with my personal life. Right. And so there's this like interesting dynamic. So it's like, how do you have success in all areas of your life? and make it like beneficial to everybody so that really you gotta again it circles back to dealing with your stuff but the people i tend to help tend to be like point people or heavy responsibility type people like the the director of the directors or because they carry all the responsibility or the the what i call the umbrella and so they're holding the umbrella from the storm and so there's a lot of that aspect. So it tends to be a variety of people, but it tends to be like C-suite or senior position type people because those tend to be the people that carry all the responsibility and they don't know how to process it well because they've been so ambitious in their life that they haven't really focused on dealing with their own stuff. And they've just been, been push, 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 push. And then at some point they have a crisis in their life, like a divorce that's going to like kill their entire career or something like that. And then, so they're faced to kind of deal with some stuff. And then that's when they come to me. It's unfortunate people come to me when they have a problem, but that's just people, when they have a problem, they tend to look for solutions, if you will, it's human nature. So, mm-hmm. so what, what do you think are some of the, if you could kind of list, what are some of the main things that are blocking these individuals from leading more uh, or, or shall we say better and more productive lives? Okay. So there's like in our culture, we have like a few different like theories that aren't like proven out. For example, um, the theory of um, evolution, like Darwin's theory of evolution, it is still a theory. We haven't like proven it. Right. Um, But 
as a consensus, as a rule, we agree to it because it creates a structure for us to understand society and understand the dynamics. But the basis of that theory is very competitive. It's survival based. So in our culture, in our society right now, everything's really uh, competitive. It's like better than, worse than my religion is better than your religion or my um, political side is better than your like Republican versus Democrat, right? all that kind of stuff. There's a divide and conquer mentality in our society. Um, and it, and that's part of the basis of our consciousness or our awareness and how we focus on life. Cause you know, you were an A student as a kid, you must be smart. You're a D student. You must be dumb, right? That's the kind of reality, but it, that aspect has nothing to do with intelligence. It has everything to do with your memory, but based on school, can you remember words and numbers and stuff? And I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but there's an aspect of like, people are in these kind of mindsets or these kind of programs or the ideas of what, how society functions. And this is kind of the surface level and everything's sort of in your, in what, you know, psychology will call your subconscious or unconscious. Uh, In my language, I call it pictures and programming. And when you have certain ideas of how you should function in life and how you should be in the world or who you are, then you operate like that. Um, So for example, you're from a certain culture Uh, then you should think this way or you should be that way or you can't do this or if you're a certain gender you can't you know expand in the world there's a glass ceiling and for women in business as an example right because you're a woman therefore you're naturally having this glass ceiling over you so if you start to deal with your own stuff and the thoughts and the beliefs and the programming and the, the, the certain pictures that you carry about how you should be and function in the world and let that stuff go then you get to your core essence And then none of that really matters because you can just bypass it because you're not stuck with the limiting stuff that's around you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I I think it's interesting the point you made about these these highly uh, productive yet uh, busy people who seem to be lacking (laughs) in in something, you know, so. Is, is having true balance in one's life? Because I hear that all the time. You want to have a great work-life balance. I mean, yep. is that a myth? I mean, what is that? <laughs> I think uh, the work-life uh, balance is a total myth and nonsense. Um, it, it's, a, it's a marketing gimmick, to be quite honest. Um, so most people uh, talk about balance as like the scale model, like pros and cons, you weigh this out and weigh that out and that kind of stuff. And somehow, if you compromise something in your life, like um, you're somehow going to have balance, right? You compromise something at work, then your personal life's better. If you compromise something in your personal life, whatever, there's like this, all this relationship stuff is about compromise. And I think that's a, a whole lot of nonsense because if you're compromising stuff in your life or sacrificing, you're going to be resentful, you're going to be bitter. And whether you can be positive as a thinker as much as you want, it still sits into, inside of you being resentful. In my opinion, balance is like riding a surfboard, right? So you're not like, you're not weighing out this and not the pros and cons. And to be able to stay on the board while surfing is balance. You're like, oh my God, how do I stay on this board? You're balancing yourself out. And a big giant wave is like your life, all the energy of your life, your relationships, your career, your leisure time, your learning on, you know, going to school, whatever, and learning how to ride that wave is balance. And so you use the energy of everything you're kind of you've got going on and you lean into the wave if you will and it actually feeds you and so people don't and the only way you can actually do that is you need to actually be connected to your your core in terms of like a surfing analogy you need to be connected to your muscular core to be able to balance but in terms of like a life balance you need to be connected to your 
kind of spiritual and muscular core, if you will, and just to kind of quote that, uh, unquote that. But like, it's like when you're connected to your core and you have a solid base or foundation, balance is pretty easy. You don't have to compromise. You don't have to sacrifice. And you're living authentically and you're in integrity. And then you're not worrying about um, being out of integrity or your family life missing out on something or, you know, whatever, there's a lot of different things. So, um, that's kind of my approach to balance. And I'm not really a fan of all these coaches and all these people talking about, like, you got to compromise stuff. And it's like, you're going to be resentful and bitter if you do that and that aspect. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, myself and a lot of the busy coworkers kind of tend to be talking about today is, uh, kind of living in the moment. Um, one of the things that I think is a big issue is the fact that we have all this new media technology. You know, I look up and I see people on their phones, their computers, their iPads, <laughs> watching TV all at the same time, you know, in, in many cases. And so <laughs> when I look at that, I'm just like, wow, uh, you know, how do you stay in the moment when there are all these distractions pulling you away in every single direction for other things. And then when you look at people, I mean, the, the people I work with, we've been over like the, the COVID testing sites and, you know, even being pulled away from the normal day-to-day duties to have to do things like come up with uh, protective gear and things like that, that keep people safe or, or kind of, you know, go with the Centers for Disease Control recommended guidelines in terms of how we retrofit things to make them safe for people, et cetera. So with all those things, I mean, how do you get people centered again? I mean, it's just everything's pulling you in every different direction. Sure. And and it's, again, back to internal focus. And so um, the kind of rolling science around is like you have about 15,000 to like 70,000 thoughts in a day. So let's say it's 40,000, just pick kind of somewhere in the middle there. So, and then if you have, and 90 or 85% of those are repetitive apparently, and like 80% of that is negative, if you will. So just roughly and that kind of stuff. And so now if you have something that's really negative, it can take like 10 seconds to recover. And so if 80% of your thoughts are negative, you're going to have some ones that take you a little while, like a distraction or on your phone or, you know, whatever, it takes a while to recover. And so that over accumulated over a day is a lot of time, minimum about two hours a day that you're wasting in your head and your thoughts that could be more spent productive with your family that could be spent. And that's just sort of like a really conservative, conservative estimate of how much time you can actually save. So if you have your thinking clear, your focus clear, you're not getting distracted or pulled into like recovering from negative thoughts and so forth like that, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of time there that you can save. It's quite shocking. So why people get on the phones is they're trying to distract from their negative thoughts or they're kind of numbing themselves out and and all that kind of stuff. You know, you've got COVID where I am right now um, in the West Coast here, like the the province is on fire, right? (laughs) Like all the forests and everybody's like, you know, you see the smoke. I woke up this morning, I had my windows open. There's smoke in my home and like, whoa, and you know, that kind of stuff is kind of intense. People try to distract from all the pain, mm-hmm. um, ecological footprints, social footprints. And then when something's really uh, right, like with the Black Lives Matter, predominantly in the, in the U.S. this past year, then it sparked all that rage, all that numbness comes to life into rage, um, which sucks. But and, and 
you know, I'm not trying to diminish the movement, but it's like if people were to collectively daily, regularly deal with their stuff, all these little decisions that other community and culture has, it has a really strong impact in terms of the difference it makes in the world. And, and I've seen that collectively because I've been in activist movements at the very center circle of them and, you know, the way people are thinking and the habits and everything has a really big impact and influence. Like it was starting to work with the UN and, you know, Hollywood stars and whatever and the movements I was involved and it was just sort of like the habits when the habits were good and the thoughts were clean and healthy and everything, everything was moving really fast. But as soon as like it kind of got crunched and then the, the, the public kind of came in and just sort of shut down the movement. So it was really fascinating. And I wish I could have some way to like measure that. And if I understood so- sociology and like how to measure all that kind of stuff, I probably would have. Um, but there's an aspect. It, it's just fascinating to kind of watch, but really starts with yourself, to, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and, and those people who are, are extremely busy, I, one thing I notice is it is hard to get them to really focus on one particular thing yes. because they have so much coming at them. So when you're working with these very, you know, extremely busy people, how do you actually get them to say, hey, you know, for you to do better, be better uh, as an individual, here's some things that you need to maybe start looking at and thinking about. How do, how do you work with those people? So the first, so the, here, let me explain it this way. So this is a bit kind of a long-winded answer and I tend to talk enough as it is, but um, <laughs> so let's, let's start at surface level in terms of like, th- this kind of goes into my process a little bit. So the thoughts and feelings. So this is what most people are kind of conscious of. So you have these thoughts and feelings kind of operating. And if you have positive thoughts or productive thoughts or whatever, then you have the feelings and emotions that go with it and vice versa. Whereas if you have negative thoughts, then you have negative feelings and that kind of stuff. And the idea with most healing modalities or whatever is you can disrupt the negativity, then you can somehow disrupt the, the feelings or the thoughts and kind of change your thought patterns. Um, but in terms of what I've discovered over the years, what's underneath that are what are called pictures. And so pictures are like certain ideas of what it means to be productive and what it means to be busy or wealthy or from a certain culture. And you collect these kind of pictures and ideas over your, your life and your experience and your, your upbringing and culture and that kind of stuff. And then it creates this kind of identity, if you will. Underneath that is what you call what I call core pictures. So, for example, core pictures tend, typically tend to be charged pictures or like traumatic pictures from childhood, but not always the case. But let's say your father really undermined you as a kid and made you feel like you weren't good enough and you decided that you were going to prove him wrong. So you became super ambitious. You became super productive. You became all this kind of stuff going going on in your life and that feeds your thoughts and your feelings and how you kind of process life. And you have this, like, I'm not good enough thing that's pushing down and because you're not dealing with it and you're pushing it down it like circumnavigates your entire neurology, your system, your fight flight response. So you're always productive, but it's not necessarily effective productivity. And so mm-hmm. you're, cause you don't want to, people don't want to deal with their stuff usually. And so they're pushing down that I'm not good enough. So they're always productive, busy, 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 distracting until they have a crisis in their life that forces them to deal with that. I'm not good enough kind of dynamic, but underneath that is programming. And programming is really difficult to deal with. So you have like family programming, you have religious programming, basically how you should think about the world and certain perspectives and stuff like that. And that informs those core pictures. And so you have these core pictures of like, 
some, let's say something that's a bit more exaggerated. So say you have the difference between two 11 year old kids that lost their parents in Western society, poor orphan, all oh, that sucks. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to make it. They're going to go through the foster system and blah, 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 and that kind of stuff. Other kid in Eastern society or indigenous culture or something like that, it's more of a celebration of life. It's got a different type of program into it, and it's going to inform the core picture very differently. Whereas, it, you know, poor orphan, they're going to go through the foster system versus like, oh, it's a celebration of life. This kid's going to still be able to do it. And let's like encourage this kid and have empathy and whatever. It creates a different kind of pathway for these kids as they grow up. But even under the programming is what I call your core essence. And your core essence is gets filtered through all this stuff. And the clearer you are on all this other stuff, like the programming, the core pictures, the pictures, thoughts, and feelings the more effective your productivity is. So a lot of people's productivity tends to be like 95%, not really useful in terms of like the outcomes and the results that they want to get. And that's because of all the filters and all the layers underneath in their stuff. And the more you can clean out all the layers, the more that productivity goes from like 95% like kind of useless or pointless to more like, you know, it goes down to 80, then 60, and then 40 and 20, where everything that you're doing becomes very productive and very efficient and very on point with what you're trying to create in your outcomes in your life. And that's the kind of process of unraveling. But to kind of long wind and shorten it in a little bit here is that there are people, um, like if you're finding yourself really struggling and always constantly stressed out, it has a lot to do with your thinking. And, and, part of the dynamic with stress and they're realizing, um, I think like five years ago, maybe six years ago, that they're realizing like almost like a hundred percent of disease, like cancer included and all that kind of stuff uh, starts with stress and that kind of stuff. And so mm-hmm. if you have all this stuff underneath you, I'm not good enough, but all that stuff's stressful and you're being super productive because you don't want to deal with your stuff. Stress has a direct relationship with emotions. You deal with your emotions it slows you down and makes you more productive. You're not fiery. You're not angry with your, your employees or, you know, all that kind of aspect. And you save a lot of time. You needless drama kind of goes away and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, you just deal with your stuff and you save countless hours throughout the week. And that adds up to a lot over the year. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take another break. Uh, before we do, I want to remind people that if you have a question for Leo, you can call into today's show. We have a 1-800 number, 888-627-6008. That number again, 888-627-6008. You can call in and weigh in on this uh, topic today or ask a question. We'll be back right after this. When it comes to relationships, there are some obvious signs you can use to spot someone who might be abusive. First, they have a tendency to want to rush into a relationship. They may also show signs of jealousy and mistrust, and you could find they expect you to be perfect and will try to cut you off from other important relationships. They could also be abusive towards animals and children. To learn more about the signs of dangerous individuals and how you can identify and avoid unhealthy relationships, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back. Um, 
we have with us Leo Richard today, and we're talking a little bit about ways you can lead a better and more productive life. And uh, Leo, I want to talk a little bit, I know you're in Canada, I want to talk a little bit about healthcare and this whole pandemic, global pandemic. We don't hear a lot what's going on in other countries and you know, it's been, you know, a whirlwind over the last year. So I wanted to, to ask you um, how the pandemic is impacting uh, free health care for all over there. Um, it seems to be good. There's been like uh, light ups, I guess, if you will, to, for vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. But uh, right now we're kind of allowed to do whatever we want now within our boundary or borders, if you will. So um, some stores and restaurants and events still require you to wear a mask, but you don't have to, um, that kind of aspect. So there seems to be a lot of people are happy right now. I'm curious to see what happens. There's the, um, Delta variant that's coming around. Um, that seems to be, everybody's like, oh no, don't you dare take her. Yeah, please, God, no. <laughs> uh, well, the, the interesting thing, I was doing some research this morning and I saw that uh, actually Canada has the highest vaccination rate. So 70% of the people there in Canada uh, are vaccinated now and the number of cases definitely seem to be on the decline. However, here in the U.S., we've had, uh, as of July 15th, 49% of the people here are vaccinated. Of course, we're still way ahead of a lot of the third world countries, but um, we are starting to see here that uh, a lot of the mask restrictions are being lifted, but I think people um, maybe aren't as cautious as they should be with the Delta variant or the variants that there's not just going to be the Delta variant. There may be other variants. Uh, so I hear. And so um you know, I think some people, um, I think, feel maybe a false sense of security in, um, you know, in places where the numbers are lower, perhaps should still be uh, wearing masks if they're in places that have a lot of people. I drove through uh, downtown Nashville yesterday and I was amazed as I drove down the main thoroughfare in downtown to see, first of all, how many people there were. And uh, I did not see little, I did not see one mask. Um, and we're talking large crowds, people back to back. So mm -hmm. I hope that, um, you know, in light of, I know here in Tennessee, our numbers uh, have spiked recently. We actually have a 250% increase in the number of COVID cases like over the last week. So um, hopefully uh, we will be more like Canada and things will, will start to get back to normal. But we've had a lot of things, I think, politicized, which never is a good thing. But in any case, when it comes to one's, one's health, um, I wanted to um, take a moment, obviously, to focus on the pandemic because um, I do think a lot of people are worried when it comes to their next moves uh, and what those moves might be when it could be disrupted again by COVID-19. It could be uh, another shutdown uh, because we do have these variants. So I, I don't know if you're hearing that as you counsel and consult with people, but what... Uh, how do you manage around that? That we've never, 
<laughs> had to obviously deal with a situation where we were on lockdown uh, globally, you know. So uh, how, what are you saying to people? I mean, it might be a little bit different there because obviously you're a little more free <laughs> because of the fact that uh, you, you do have more people vaccinated. But what, what do you tell those people? Um, so essentially people, I mean, it's, a lot of my people tend to be business, oh, hang on, my mic dropped or something. Okay. Uh, a lot of people tend to be, in my sphere, tend to be business oriented, like entrepreneurs or like leading kind of dynamics. So they're always uh, considering their forecast. What's the forecast? And that happened prior to COVID. And it's like, what is the forecast? Like, I mean, you can think of recessions in terms of like that has an impact on business, right? So there's always this consistency of like, what's the forecast right now? It's really intense and you got to be really point on point and really sharp in terms of your forecast and what are, what are you doing in terms of your direction and stuff like that. So as far as like the average person who's, you know, not everybody's a business owner in that kind of aspect. So there's a lot of like, Oh man, that's a really, that's a really tough one. And the people, the dialogues I'm having with people, they're thinking that in about a year from now, or maybe a year and a half, there's going to be another economic downturn. Um, and, And that aspect. And so there's like, so they're thinking over the next year, so there's going to be like this growth and expansion and then there's gonna be another major contraction in the the economy in about a year and a half is sort of like the forecast of what people are kind of thinking is going to happen based on what they've personally experienced over the past business decades they've been involved and like and then what is it actually going to pan out over the next while because part of the problem um, especially in Canada is we're having um, supply and demand issues like the borders are closed right so we can't get certain things in like basic nuts uh-huh. and bolts right <laughs> right like it, it's like yeah. that, that's pretty serious right and so mm-hmm. that is going to have a pretty long-term economic issue like some companies have closed mm-hmm. or folded because of the, the supply and demand issue that's going on right right and so we've never been in the situation before but there's there's a lot of kind of the people I'm dialoguing with there's a lot of consensus that the economy is going to build and str- get strong for like the next year or so and then it's gonna there's gonna be a downturn in about a year and a half that seems to be the the kind of consensus right and, so, and you're, you're you're right people aren't really talking about that I know uh, we order a lot of supplies and uh, even things like furniture that we order on a regular basis there's been backlogs of two to three months yeah. um things like plexiglass that they say you need to put in, you know, things that separate and help us to socially distant. Um, there, there's a shortage of drivers, truck drivers. I, you know, it's, it's so much going on. People aren't even, those are little things compared to some of the bigger things. But um, I, I think you're very right in, in pointing out that these might have a long-term economic impact. So how does, uh, I guess, what you do maybe differ from, say, what other self-help gurus uh, maybe uh, do to help people. Uh, it's 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 a totally different time <laughs> than yeah. ever before. You know, like the practicality or my kind of demographic. Uh, practicality, practicality. So what I specialize in is I help people like really see things clearly. Like basically, people get really charged and loaded up about all sorts of things. And like I mean, the debate of even COVID, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Um, it, you know, there's like, 
what mask, no mask, they're like Texans versus like um, Washington State folks, right? They're like, yeah, we wear masks. Texans like, <laughs> you know, you know, whatever. Right? And I appreciate that. My, my province I'm in is a lot like Texas and everybody's like, what do you mean we got to wear masks? And then, okay, we will. Okay, you're showing the stats. Okay, okay, we kind of believe you, but we're not totally on board with the, the medical stats. So, you know, it's kind of like, anyway. Um, but so I specialize in helping people like really forecast, deal with their stuff, get rid of the charge in that aspect. Um, what I do is really like a, a steep path or like a fast path to get from point A to point B in personal development. Like a lot of things are very like slow and kind of meandering in terms of self-help and personal development, stuff like that. I really focus on getting from point A to point B, like outcomes and results. Um, and that's kind of my kind of objective. I don't want to waste time and, and neither do my clients. Right. So they kind of want to get to where they want to get to as quickly as possible without having to delve into all their personal history and like having to like, you know, like in a counseling or therapy kind of session, if you will. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting that so many people, um, have so many differing opinions and, and ways in which they may, you know, deal with this type of stress, you know, but um, I wanted to see if you could um, take me through the process of what you do when you're beginning to work with someone who really has a roadblock that keeps them from maybe getting to the next level. You can feel free to use me as a guinea pig if you'd like. I don't, I say that hesitantly, but uh, <laughs> you're able to do that if you'd like. <laughs> okay. um, it's a, uh, just because of how the, how I approach um, the type of work I do, I do take some extra time before and after session. So it wouldn't be what I call a safe space to do so. Um, but mm -hmm. I can kind of walk you through like uh, the phases, if you will. And it's more of an intellectual understanding of the phases and mm -hmm. that aspect. So it's called the DREAM acronym, D-R-E-A-M-S, or not S, but sometimes we can use the S, but like, so the first one is a discovery phase, right? And so you have this epiphany, this aha moment, something needs to change, something's off in my life. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have something like that, you're not going to change. There's no point, right? Like if I don't want to do, there's nothing off, what's the point of changing, right? I'm just going to stay the same. And what then, an important point. I mean, it's like you have to be a free and willing vessel, obviously, number one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, you know, you're not going anywhere. So good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second phase is the redesign phase and from my I spent three years researching this and about 80% of people uh, get past this phase and the redesign phase is like okay something's off from the discovery phase I got to redesign my life to kind of make it not off anymore I got to end the relationship I got to find a new job I got to move or whatever that the redesign aspect is maybe it's just an internal redesign and, and just sort of like what is it and only about and 80% of the population doesn't get past this because of the third phase. And the third phase is the elevation phase. And this is where you deal with your inner critic, you deal with backlash from people. Um, you know, if you grew up in a family where everybody worked nine to five uh, and you decide you're going to be a business owner, entrepreneur, a lot of those people will be like, no, why are you doing that? You know, you don't want to like, you got to do the nine to five, like is it a certain mindsets and energies and whatever and aspect. And so the elevation phase is you need to keep yourself buoyant and alive and positive not in a fake positive or toxic positive kind of vibe mm -hmm. but you need to keep yourself elevated because you're going to deal with some flack that's the reality when you go through change and transformation and growth is you're going to deal with a lot of like pushback whether it's internal or external and depends on your your situation and then you get into the authenticity phase and so let's say someone um 
you, you know, get, you know, you started, most people start a journey moving away from pain. It's like 90% of the population uh, makes a point of moving away from pain and 10% moves towards pleasure. So when you start on a journey in personal development, it's like something's off. Uh, this is a problem. This is marriage or this abusive relationship, um, whatever it might be. And they're moving away from that particular problem. There's comes a certain point where you got to stop moving away from the problem. You got to move towards the pleasure aspect of like maybe finding new amazing partner or new job that fits very well for you. And you got to go through a point of like the authenticity phase where what is truer in this moment? Okay, sure. It was truer as moving away from pain, but what is actually true? So if you want to find a new job, well, or you need to get money. Okay. I'm going to go find a new job, but what's actually true than just finding a new job. I want to find a job that's meaningful. I want to find a job with a certain culture as part of the environment. I want to find like what's actually truer in that situation. You dig in, you get clear and clear on that for yourself. So it's a kind of a basic question of like, what is actually truer for me in this situation? And then the fifth phase is the mastery phase is where you're applying all the previous phases all at the same time, where you're constantly having these discovery moments and redesigning your life, changing habits. It might be kind of a simple example and like keeping yourself elevated and continuously finding what's true and then, you know, the refinement of growth. Cause everybody's kind of hardwired for growth in terms of evolution, making difference, um, you know, going to the next level, going up the ladder, you know, the corporate world or whatever it might be in terms of like the evolution that people are kind of seeking. There, there's always this constant drive for, for growth in people. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, but but I mean, how how many people can actually do that like on their own? You know, how how do you get people to really get unstuck? I mean, it's it's so hard, you know, I think when you're actually living in that in the moment. And then we'll go to the caller right after that. Okay. So it's actually really ridiculously simple. It it actually is really simple. And to get unstuck. So essentially the, the contrast of stuck is being in flow. So there are two things that kind of um, like in terms of like, well, there's three things that actually keep people stuck. So there's like process pain, there's outcome pain and loss pain. So the pain, if I go through this transformation, the process is going to be uh, painful. Or if I go through this transformation, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose a relationship. I'm going to lose my job. Or if I go through this process, this, um, transformation i'm going to do it and then i'm not going to get anything for it so there's all these kind mm -hmm. of like fears or concerns and those are just really simple kind of reframes for yourself to kind of like okay well and, and what is really truer for me in this situation well do i really want to be stuck or do i really want to have like a life i can create i'm better off getting out of the situation regardless of what happens at the end or whatever mm -hmm. thing. so um just kind of like reframing it for yourself is really the kind of the best way or the simplest way to do it it's not necessarily easy because it usually has a lot of emotional charge to it and like facing like your your victim mentality is usually the, the kind of biggest one of like the i can't kind of mm -hmm. aspect and um, it goes on from there so yeah yeah good points i mean mm, i hadn't really thought of it that way but you know there's there, a lot of times i guess when you do get stuck in, in trying to get to that next level, it's, it's gotta be things coming at you, you know, the, the negative Nancy's in the back of your head, you know, telling <laughs> you, don't go this way, do that, do this, you know? Um, so it's, it's good to know that there is a way around that. Um, right now I'm going to go to, we have uh, Coco on the line. Um, can you hear us? Yes. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm fine, thank you. Doing wonderful, thank you. I have a question in reference to um, if you have difficult family members that are trying to impede your personal and professional growth, what's a good way to handle that situation? Okay. Can, can I take that? Of course. I, you're, you're on. <laughs> hey, Coco. All right. So there's this dynamic that goes on um, in psychology. There's like, um, like transference that goes on and emotional transference and different things like that. In kind of my space, there's this aspect of like what I call energetic transference. So when you're around certain people or certain situations, um, you can kind of absorb other people's stuff, whether it's like internally or just kind of like mentally or whatever. There's a few ways you can, you can take on other people's stuff. Now, the, the biggest component to support yourself here is to really get to know yourself. And when you have, when you really know yourself, your boundaries are clear and it's like, it doesn't really matter what's coming at you. You're, you have a clear sense of yourself and your purpose and your direction. And then what, depending on what you have access to, but certain tools and skills that I teach is I teach people how to clear that out of their, their psyche and their energy and their emotions that are not taking it on. And then the kind of net gain of that is that people, when you return their other people's stuff to them, uh, and this might be way out in the field for you, I don't know, but um, when we return other stuff to, to those people where it comes from, they're kind of forced to kind of deal with their own stuff. Cause it's like a projection onto you. They, they, mm have some fears or they have some doubts or whatever about themselves and it's a projection onto you and then when you kind of push it back in their space so to speak then they're forced to kind of deal with their own inner world and they might get better at challenging you as trying to project more at you and then it it is a refining process of you getting to know yourself better and getting your getting to know yourself more and more sort of like the the antidote if you will and the clearer you know yourself the easier it is to kind of navigate kind of toxic situations or people trying to cross your boundaries or impede around that. Um, one of the kind of like really simple ways to kind of handle it is like just to keep your communication about your progress um, and where you're going to yourself or to people that are supportive. And then the people that are around you that aren't supportive, even if they might be supportive at the moment when you're talking about it and they seem engaged, they might go ahead and think about it later. And then it kind of cringes on you the next time that you interact with them. So I would just, keep your boundaries for yourself in terms of your direction would be my uh, just a really simple uh, first step for you. So you're kind of telling her to read the hand, <laughs> just stay back, you know, like keep yeah. those people out of your space. Is, yeah. without, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Without being a jerk. Finding yeah. a way to communicate with them. Like another way, like what I tell my students in terms of like personal development is like, you know, you're going through, like, say you have a two-hour class with me, you're going through two hours of, you know, personal development and work, and someone may have the best of intentions, and they're coming to you and asking you questions, but you don't need to shrink down your two hours of learning into a person's five minutes of curiosity, because it's going to contract your space, and you're going to frame it into that person's understanding of personal development, or, your, you know, your, in terms of your business growth here, um, so try not to, like, shrink down your growth and your evolution for someone else's, like, two minutes of curiosity is another, um, way to kind of look at it for yourself as well just go hey you know check this out or check out this website or check out this piece of information or like direct them somewhere where they're not kind of all up in your grill and but so that and also in a way that you're not shrinking down your learning space or your growth for someone's two minutes of curiosity does that make sense coco coco absolutely that makes a lot of sense this has been very helpful absolutely thank you so much did you have any follow-up questions or does, does that make sense? That makes sense. 
Okay. Well, okay. thank you. We appreciate uh, your, your calling in today. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. All right. And um, I'm going to take a quick break right now. Again, if uh, anybody else out there has any questions for our guest, Leo Richard today, you can give us a call at 888-627-6008. And you're listening to the Celeste Stein Show. We'll be back right after this. Domestic violence between intimate partners is expected to rise by 20% during and coming out of the quarantine shutdown. There are steps you can take to protect yourself. Don't wait for an abuser to hurt you. Call the police if you feel threatened. If your abuser begins to stalk you, it might be time for an order of protection. Once you get it, carry it with you and show it to police if you must call them. For more information, call the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443. And welcome back, uh, Leo. Thanks so much for joining us today. I want to ask another question as far as you, earlier you talked about we're sort of programmed and we hear things and there are things people tell us from the time we're children, whether it be religious uh, uh, upbringing or uh, just things that your family teaches you and, and that kind of thing as you, as you uh, learn and grow. One thing I wanted to ask is if we have to then be reprogrammed um, to actually be able to succeed. Well, okay, let's look at kids. So kids tend to not have so much stuff as is accumulated as an adult in their, their psyche, in their space, their energy, whatever. And would you, kids looking to walk? right? Like they're crawling and they're trying to figure out how to walk. That, that could be a form of success, right? Does anything shut them down in terms of learning how to walk? They're just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Unless the parents are like putting all this fear of like, oh my God, they're going to fall. You know, then that might slow down the kid. Um, I can aspect, but there's an innate drive in people to succeed. So it's more about unpacking your stuff than reprogramming your stuff. So the more you can clear out all this stuff you've accumulated over the years, the, it's just a natural kind of state of being is success. And it's not necessarily like a kid learning to walk isn't about my success. Success is in all areas of your, your life, relationships, your ability to kind of learn and navigate life and just being a, an adult, <laughs> you know, if you're surviving <laughs> as an adult, you're succeeding, right? In that kind of aspect, right? So <laughs> there's, there's all this kind of stuff and it's really, it's in, in your innate drive to be able to succeed in life and you want to evolve and grow and be a better human being. That's just your people's natural states of being underneath all the stuff they've accumulated, even the most kind of radical of people in the world, the most extremist quote unquote people who think they're evil or whatever kind of stuff underneath all their baggage, they have a good heart. And so it's like, you can remove all that baggage and all that person's woundage and help, you know, if they are willing to let that all go, then you can get back to the, the goodness of that person, right? Regardless of the most insane criminal criminal out there, whatever there there's, there's always a goodness under a person underneath all the, the stuff and so there's an aspect of like really you don't need to reprogram yourself you just need to get the stuff out of your space mm-hmm. but in in addition to our own personal baggage sometimes we have things that are thrust upon us whether it be a death in the family or a you know close and personal relationship that's gone bad 
how do you really get back on track when those are external factors, you know, kind of like what, what Coco just brought to the forefront, dealing with family members that, you know, may be interfering with your success and in, in moving forward. You really, it really comes back down to your intention. So sometimes people use those situations as a story for their victimhood. It's like the poor me kind of aspect. And it cuts Mm. back into the the program around the better than, worse than part of our society, like the competition game is one of the biggest games on our planet right now. And so do I want to be a victim? Okay, I'm going to let my toxic, the toxic people around me take me down. And I'm going to use that story to complain to all my friends or my other friends about how bad this person treated me and that kind of aspect. And I mean, not to diminish the the pain and the 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 I don't know what language I can use but the the crumminess of like abuse or you know sexual assault and all that kind of stuff that like it that stuff sucks it really sucks but for the person who was victimized to repeat it in their head for the next 20 30 40 years over and over again when a situation happened for like two three minutes maybe half an hour um, that's more painful than having a sexual assault happen to you for like two, three minutes or, you know, half an hour or whatever, that kind of aspect, because you're beating yourself up over and over and over again. And then you're losing out on the next 20, 30 years of your life, right? It sucks what happened, but it's also important that you learn to let that stuff go because you're still a victim to that, that experience. And you're letting that perpetrators influence on you, impact you for another 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? You gotta, you gotta, as painful as it is, you gotta deal with it. And to get back onto your life, because you can't let someone else's darkness erode your light. And that kind of aspect, it's really important that you get your light back. What a great point. And we just have a very few minutes left, two minutes left here. As we prepare to close out today's show, Leo, I'd like to ask really what it is you want people to walk away with after hearing today's show. Uh, Deal with your stuff. If you deal with your stuff, life gets a whole lot easier. You know, there's this belief in our society that we have to struggle and that things have to be difficult and sure your childhood upbringing may have been maybe your first adult relationship maybe the relationship you're in now i'm just listening to some of the commercials you've been playing on the show today and you know draw a line in the sand stop it stop you're you're contributing to that if you're an adult you're conscious you're aware you have free will to do what you want and move forward in your life and do what you want really deal with your stuff. If you don't deal with your stuff, you're going to stay stuck in that situation. And, and whether it's a business obstacle, whether it's a personal relationship issue, um, you need to take charge of the fear. You need to take charge of like, Oh, this bad thing's going to happen. And that's just uh, hearsay. You don't know until it happens, but it's important to take responsible steps through dealing with yourself. And when you deal with yourself, you can make wise decisions going forward in whatever direction in business, relationships, um, education, leisure time, your health, whatever it might be. When you're, you're on top of your stuff, it's so much easier to function in life and make wise decisions for yourself and, and your loved ones around you as well. Yeah. Wonderful points. I really appreciate your joining us and enlightening us on today's show. Uh, It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, That is all the time we have for now. We are going to, um, 
you know, just get ready for our next show, which is in two weeks. I hope you'll be sure to tune in again at that time and uh, you'll hear more self-help topics, more news, information, music, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein. Go out there and make it a great day. Thank you.